If you're a health entrepreneur, coach, or practitioner that wants to turn your expertise into a high six or seven figure virtual business with less stress, so you can impact more people at a deeper level while making more money and enjoying a greater quality of life in the process, then the Health Printer Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Uriel Kame. I'm a former pro athlete, leading health expert, New York Times bestselling author, and the founder of Healthpreneur, where I help experts just like you create and fill high-end virtual coaching programs that create dream come true results for your clients. Now, for a free and in-depth training on how to do just that without manual prospecting, one-on-one coaching, or having to spend years building your online following, head on over to healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash training and jump on to our seven-figure health business blueprint training today. And now, let's get to today's episode. Have you heard of the Institute for the Psychology of Eating? Well, they're an amazing institute for certifying coaches, health coaches, nutritionists with understanding the psychology of eating, right? More than just nutrients, more than just what's coming in, but it's about how we approach our food and that relationship we have with it is such a great market that has really been built largely as a result of this amazing company and my good friend's Mark David and Emily Rosen are the co-founders of that company, and I'm really excited today to have Emily on the show. In fact, this is an interview that I'm pulling out of the archives, and I'm bringing to you because you're going to discover some of the success secrets that have led the Institute for the Psychology of Eating to become one of the most well-known certifying bodies for health coaches and health practitioners who want to add this skill set to their coaching. It's such a great, great tool to have in your toolbox, considering that most people have emotional eating issues, right? Even whether they're aware of it or not. So Emily, I've known for, I don't even know how, like almost, I don't know, seven or eight years. And what I love about Emily is that she is just an, she's an amazing person. Like if you follow her on Instagram, you will see some of the most incredible poetry you've ever heard in your life. So check out Emily Rosen on Instagram. Incredible. Um, but we've, you know, we've known each other for a long time. We've hung out. She's attended some of our masterminds and we've been at different events together and we've had dinners and lots of good, you know, conversations, but she is a super smart entrepreneur. Like I'm talking like she was the type of person who just figured everything out on her own with the right coaching and stuff in the early years and, you know, running Facebook ads, the operations, the marketing, everything. And then, you know, she was just like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this stuff out. And she did. And she's going to share some amazing insights in this interview with you with respect to what it takes to build a successful business. So I'm really excited to have Emily Rosen on the show. So without any further ado, let's welcome her to the podcast. Good. So good to be here, Yuri. Yeah, it's always fun to connect with you. We have a lot of fun every time we get to hang out. And um, obviously, Mark, you're, I would, I'm not going to say the better half, because that's normally what I say <laughs> to, the, to the male in the couple. But your other half, uh, obviously, is a lot of fun to hang out with as well. So, uh, you, I mean, you guys run an amazing, amazing business with the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. And what was, I mean, kind of going back to the genesis of that, like what was your impetus for getting into business for yourselves? Like what was like, was there something you're like, oh my God, I cannot stand working for other people? Or if it is, is it something else that was really a big driver for you? 
Sure. So, you know, my parents are, you know, own their own business, they're practitioners. So I didn't, I grew up not knowing that that was unique, you know, and then I was, I actually have a degree in fine art. So I always kind of imagined being a solopreneur, though I didn't necessarily have that terminology. Um, And then when I left the art world and entered into the nutrition world, I had private practice. And then I definitely had some periods in my life where I worked for major corporations and companies and there are advantages to it. Um, My nature, (laughs) I do better working for myself. Um, And when Mark and I partnered around the Institute, it really started out uh, with me just being, you know, in charge of bringing the Institute online. And I I didn't know what it would grow into. So I didn't have as much kind of strategic planning. I didn't identify as an entrepreneur. I just knew that I wanted to get this work out there in a bigger way. And this was the vehicle to do it. Very cool. And you guys have built like a massive business around What I mean, what what some people might like from the outside looking in might might think of as more of like a, a slightly intangible. Like, how do you? It's it's amazing what you guys have done with the psychology of eating. Like, it's not like a, a hardcore tangible. Like, hey, lose twenty pounds sure. in thirty days. How did you guys take that and and really make it what it is today? Like, what was? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm asking the right question here, but how did you and- take something? that's more of an intangible to make it so concrete and so valuable in your customer's eyes? It's a great question. And I think it's something that we still often talk about because we have this experience and it's interesting you asked this because like just yesterday I got back, we had a live event and I got back all the testimonial videos and I was watching them and repeatedly what people would say in their interview was, I just read this video, uh, I mean, just saw this video or just read this blog and it made, it gave language to an experience I was having in my internal world that I hadn't been able to articulate. And there was this like very common theme of that. I mean, we all have a relationship with food. Uh, whether or not we, you know, look at it uh, or not, you know, we make choices about what we eat based on our beliefs. And uh, we're trying to bring attention to that conversation because it hasn't always had attention. And and there's always been this focus on what to eat and when to eat. And I have a background in nutritional science. I think that information is incredibly valuable, but I also had an eating disorder for 10 years um, that was very severe. And I started looking at the food piece of it. And actually, the deeper I went into the food piece, the less you know, relief I experienced in my relationship with food. And a lot of people can relate with that. A lot of people can relate to the idea of, I know what to do, but I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Or I'm doing everything right, but I'm not getting the results that I was expecting. And uh, and I'm doing everything. I'm manipulating my macronutrients and I'm exercising in this way or that way. And I can speak to that kind of gap in their experience as being the psychology, the driver behind uh, why it's not working for you in the ways that you maybe thought it would. Um, and so people who can relate to that can very much relate to that. There are a lot of people who can't, um, but there are more and more people who are struggling around food and body than ever before. Um, I think there's many reasons why. And so we speak to that in a way that anybody who has struggled can immediately just connect with it and go, that's so me. You know, I'm the person at night where I plan on doing everything that, you know, I read about all day long. And then at night I find myself in a dark room eating three pints of ice cream. What is driving that? behavior. That's not a, that's not necessarily a food issue. Well, it's, I mean, the, the brilliance is that it's every single human being for the most part is dealing with some degree of that. Yeah. Whether it's ice cream or pizza or whatever it is, we all have those hangups or those issues or those beliefs that, and the brilliance I think is, is as you articulated earlier, is like you're giving language or you're, 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 I guess you're communicating to people what they cannot even express to themselves 
and that in in kind of in the language of copywriting and a lot of times that's pretty much the essence of of influence sure and i guess well, it's we, not like i guess you guys are not doing it like in a copywriting strategic fashion but you're just you just really understand your market really well yeah and i think you know i understand it from the perspective of having lived it and mark understands it more from the perspective of having been a clinician for 30 years and working with some of the most brilliant minds you know he had a he had a practice on wall street in new york city and would work with high powered people who had everything at their disposal but were still struggling intensely with food or with symptom that wouldn't go away and he was working as a functional nutritionist and giving them you know meal plans and they just weren't doing it you know and i had the same experience i worked in corporate uh, weight loss for about seven years, and we just see the same issues over and over again, or people would experience temporary relief, but it was not sustainable. And um, it's not always the sexiest cell, but, you know, we work out our bodies and we, you know, manipulate what we're eating, but we don't always learn to master our mind. And it's running the show for so many people. And a lot of people can't even differentiate between the thoughts that they're having and really who they are. And so a lot of the work we do, even though food is the doorway, it's the portal into, you know, their inner world, it changes their whole life. Um, and so in a lot of ways, even though we're kind of in the health and nutrition space, we do see our company as evolving consciousness about changing the conversation about who you are as an individual and who you want to be in the world. Because I think if we're not in touch with a greater cause or a mission or a desire to, to do something bigger with our life, um, it can be uh, kind of challenging to inspire someone to be more healthy or to change how they're eating um, if they're not in touch with a, a real Really important reason why. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. You guys have done a, an amazing job. So, you know, looking at the trajectory of your business from let's say day one to now, obviously everything hasn't been like peaches and roses. There's been ups and downs, like with most businesses. Do you remember a time like what, what, what was like in your mind like the biggest challenge you guys ever faced, and and how did you end up overcoming that? Yeah, um, so many. <laughs> yeah. well, and I, I think this. this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like really. Um, no, I think so. A couple of things, you know, I want to say about this. One of the things that I find, and I, and I, what I respect so much about you, and I see, you know, you putting this into practice, and why I'm so excited that you're teaching about business development for, you know, conscious entrepreneurs is because a lot of people will go to medical school for like, you know, six years, or they'll go become a dietitian, or they'll read every book on health and wellness. But then when it comes to creating a health and wellness business, they want a quick fix or they want, you know, be able to send an email and to people to buy stuff. And that's just not how it works. You have to build relationship just like as you would with a client. You have to get knowledgeable about the systems to create um, the experience that you want for your people. So it was incredibly challenging for me. My background was in program design, curriculum design, as I mentioned to you before, that art. I had, I barely knew how to type. I mean, I typed with like two fingers, you know, and I had to learn this technology in order to get this work out there. So that was the biggest hurdle for me. It was a huge hurdle internally because I had a belief that that was something that I didn't know how to do or I couldn't do. Um, but I was so driven to get this work out there. And I really felt like it was important for me to be instrumental in that, not just to hire someone to come do it because I wanted it to be authentic and I wanted it to be an in integrity. And I wanted to feel like I had control over the ecosystem that I was building. Um, and so I started from like ground zero by buying other online programs that 
that weren't necessarily in the health space, but seeing how people were conveying information online and kind of reverse engineering and figuring out what did I like, what did I not like? And then the next step was finding the right person to help me actualize it. So I'm not a developer, I'm not a coder, but I had a very clear vision of how I wanted the information that we had to be communicated. And that was a very rocky road. And it was quite um, labor intensive and time intensive. Um, there was many pitfalls and challenges. That was about five years ago. I feel like now there is so much more um, available to entrepreneurs to be able to plug and play into already existing software platforms. But when I started five years ago, it really didn't exist. And then the other challenge was like, okay, so I was like, now we have this amazing program. We have an eight-month certification training that um, certifies people as an eating psychology coach. It's over 250 hours of content. I feel great about the program, but I had created the program. And then I was like, oh my God, we need customers. Like, <laughs> you know, we need people to know about this program. So I was like, now I have to learn marketing, you know? And I think one of the things that can feel very daunting is that, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is like every step that you take actually shows you another step you need to take. Mm -hmm. yep. And it can feel so overwhelming. You know, you're like, oh my God, I need an email list. And then you get like, you know, 50,000 people on your email list. And then the email list program that you had no longer works and you can't <laughs> for those amount of people. So then you go, you know, have to get a new email software program. They have to learn how to use that. And then your list gets to 150,000. And then there's all those issues with, you can't send to that many people all at once. And so it was, it's been like that. Um, the first three years that that kept happening, I would go like under every time. I'd be like, so dramatic. I'd be like, this is the worst thing ever. And this is so overwhelming. And now I meet that with a lot more grace. And I see that as part of the fun of this is that it's an ongoing developmental process, just as it is with your health. It's like you find a diet that works for you for a year and then all of a sudden it doesn't work and you feel crappy whenever you eat it and you um, your lifestyle changes or you move to a new location. It's the same thing with business. And I think when you treat it like that as kind of an ongoing experiment or you know journey into curiosity, it can be a lot of fun. But I have faced so, so many challenges um, along the way. Uh, it's, it's, I can't even think of one to give you. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. I was, just, I, I was recording a podcast earlier talking about like, are you willing to pay the price? Yeah. Because like, if you were to, if you were to sit down across, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's kind of absurd. Like if you worked with like a nutritional client and you sat down with them and said, listen, here's the reality of what's going to go, of what's going to go down over the next couple months or a couple of years no one in their right mind would ever want to work with you, right? Right. So it's like as an entrepreneur, it's like if you sat down and, you know, your future self were to look at you and say, okay, here's what you're going to go through for the next couple of years, uh, <laughs> just sign here. I don't think anybody would do that. Um, but that's part of what makes us so unique as, as, as entrepreneurs is like we know we have a gift and a message to get out. And it's like there's like a compelling force that just, you know, makes us drive through brick walls to make it happen. Yeah. And one of the things that I've realized is that a lot of people think that making more money or growing their business to bigger levels is going to make everything better. Like in terms of like their life's going to be easier and blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of times it actually becomes more complicated and mm -hmm. it's about becoming a bigger person in the process to be able to, be able to deal with all that. So... Yeah, so I think it's uh, it's great that you're able to kind of take a lot of this stuff in stride now, and I guess well, it's and just I, an evolution, right? 
It is. And I think if you use it as a personal growth experience, mm-hmm. what is possible on the other end is greater than I ever could have, like what you could ever imagine. Totally. You know, I think for myself, um, at first I just felt like things were going wrong and they, they break all the time. You know, you build a website, it's beautiful. And then WordPress doesn't update and everything breaks. Or, you know, there's just like all of these things that happen. And one of the beliefs that I hold uh, is that everything is happening for my benefit. And I choose to see everything through that filter. So when a team member quits or we have to let go of somebody or a system breaks, um, if I approach it with that mindset of like, this is actually great because now we get to upgrade our programs to actually have the capacity to hold a lot more people. So we're positioning ourselves to scale as opposed to, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever, worst timing ever, which is a lot of times where I used to go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like with health or wellness, it's like, I don't know if you've gone on a de- I used to do juice, cl- I used to lead juice cleanses and you know, you do them. The, the process this is often really awful. You know, it's like, you know, all these emotions come up and toxins and it's, there's a, there's an experience kind of in the middle of a a cleanse that a lot of people experience where it almost feels like you're going to die. Um, and then if you hold out through that on the other side, all of a sudden things taste better, your system changes and acclimates, you have a different awareness and perception of reality, learning marketing. I mean, marketing has quite a bad, uh, a rap for a lot of really great reasons. And it definitely is, um, Um, People can use it to manipulate and deceive, but it's basically just communication. And ultimately you can do with as much integrity as you want to. So you'll never see in one of our emails, like we guarantee you this program is going to help you lose 10 pounds, or we guarantee you this, like we don't talk to people in a way that sets them up to feel disenchanted or lied to um, because that's really important to us. Now that might result in a little bit less sales, but our refund rates across the board for all of our programs, anything we've ever done has been under 1%. And I think it's because we don't talk to people in a way that underestimates their intelligence. And we never, ever tell them something that we know that we can't deliver. And we've built our business on that. So you can have a business with whatever underlying ideology or philosophy you want to have. Um, And that's what I think is so exciting about it being an entrepreneur. Because I used to work for a big corporate program. And there would be times where there was guidelines I had to follow. I used to do the parent-teacher conferences. I'd have like three, 500 parents in a room. And there were certain things that I had to do that just didn't feel congruent for me. And it was very challenging at times, but I had to play by the rules of the system that I was in. And that was a huge turning point for me when I left that job of never again, am I going to be in a situation where I have to say or do things that I don't feel are congruent for me? Um, and that's just a choice. Sure. And I think a lot of people are in that position where they're just miserable because it's like they're being told to do stuff that they know in their soul is not right whether it's to sit in a cubicle or to follow specific guidelines or whatever. And, and I think it's also true with respect, you know, you, you talked about something really important with, with respect to refund rates. And I think that's a reflection of how you guys market um, because, you know, through a lot of your messaging and just, you know, the presentation, you naturally filter people. Yes. Right. And it's like, yes, you're, you're kind of, you get it or you don't. And, and I think that's a great mechanism to use especially in a day and age where people are driving down prices to acquire customers. And they're not really thinking about the quality of those people that they're bringing in. And as a result of that, they're like, 
oh, I wonder why I'm getting 10% refund rates yeah. on like a $10 product. Or, and that's or, not uncommon. I mean, I think you know this. I mean, I'm shocked sometimes people in the info space like, will have, you know, 20, 30% refund rates sometimes. And they're like, that's just par for the course. It's kind of, you know, I think it's, oh my, I sometimes I think of it's like dating, you know, it's like if you put up a dating profile that is completely like, I, I don't like the beach. So if I was like, I love the beach and I love surfing and I love water. And then you attract that person and then <laughs> you're just like totally not a match. <laughs> you know, like, I thought you liked hiking. And I'm like, I like watching TV. I don't know what you're talking about, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and so there's, there's a lot of like, and I think I feel like the tide's changing. I went to a lecture once where they talked about kind of, you know, we always think like, now's the time, this is a new day and age, but really it's cyclical in terms of how people uh, engage and respond to content. And, and the place that I think we're at now where is where people are like, just don't bullshit me. Like, I don't want to be told like 15 amazing benefits that I might get from your ebook. It's like, you know, you're not. You might get an insight or an awareness or like, you know, like, let's just be real here. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, there's so many books. If you look at like relationship books, it's like, you know, 25 ways to like get the guy. And it's like, yeah, but then you're with this person that doesn't actually know you or like you for who you are. Like you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of misery. And I think, I think of it the same way with marketing. Um, I think just the more in integrity you are, the easier your journey is going to be. And the more connected people are going to feel to you. People all the time are like, what did you guys do? And um, because we built quite a large platform in a very short period of time. And when I say short, I mean, you know, three to four years is really when our online platform started to be built out. And we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers on various different platforms from all over the world. And there definitely was strategy. I mean, I see you at marketing events. We I spend a lot of time learning the craft and trying to understand the systems. But the other piece was just genuine connection um, is what I think we really held as a core value. And from there, things, making decisions from that place became quite easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Great. I mean, there's so much wisdom. I mean, like, so for all of you guys listening, it doesn't matter if you're in this nutrition space or not, um, check out, like, even if you just got on your list to find out how you communicate the videos you guys put out, what's the, um, best website for them to check out your work? Sure. Psychologyofeating.com. Okay. Psychologyofeating.com. Yeah. Just, you know, jump on the list and see how they're, you know, see how they're emailing and see like you guys, you guys have emails that are just like ridiculously rich in content. Like, Hey, here are the latest five videos or, (laughs) and it's really good. Um, it's very, very good stuff. So there's a lot of really cool insights that you guys could get from just, and I, like, I'd love to, I, I consider myself more of a modeler than a learner. I would rather look at what someone's doing, assuming it's working, than get the book on what they're doing, if that makes sense, right? And I think there's a lot of wisdom to be on somebody's list, assuming that they're doing things well and they have a a successful track record and just kind of modeling what they're doing. And that's why it's, I mean, success leads clues, right? Sure. I think that's incredibly valuable advice. Like there are people are like, why are you on so many newsletter lists? I have learned more from seeing what people are doing than from any conference or event I've gone to. Um, because I'll be frank and I, (laughs) you know, I don't mean to pull the curtain back too far. A lot of times, you know, at these marketing conferences they're teaching what they did last year and they're, (laughs) what's actually interesting and what they're doing is like what they're actually doing. Um, and so to be, uh, you know, that aware and cognizant, like who are the top 10 people that you really respect what they're doing, their branding, their marketing, their messaging. And I, that's how I have learned the majority of, of what I do. Sure. So, so for you, like who would be the top three mentors slash resources that have helped you, um, kind of learn and kind of master the craft of marketing? Hmm. 
Um, someone were to say, how do I even start? Like, what would you, what, were, what, were, what would be a couple recommendations? Sure. So like actual, like marketer people, <laughs> I don't even know if that's Not a the term. Robots, the Not the robots, the people. I mean, I definitely, uh, you know, uh, when I first got into the space, Brendan Burchard was very impactful for me, specifically around messaging. Mm-hmm. I think he's very intelligent in terms of how he incorporates his different offerings. So he has a lot of different tiers and he pretty, um, he's, autom- he's automated a lot of his business in a way that actually still feels relatively personal. Um, so I think he has a business model. I also really, what I like about him is he runs really lean. So I made a decision a long time ago. Like, I don't want to have a corporation with 300 employees. Like, I love that. I know everybody on my team. I know their names. I know their kids. You know what I mean? Like, I love that personal touch. So I really wanted to have a small, um, group of people. Um, I've learned a lot from Eben, you know, over the years, Eben Pagan was kind of my first marketing event I ever went to. And he brings in a lot of great people. What I like about him is he's kind of a philosopher in a lot of ways. And so I really resonate with that. You know, he is not just interested in what's the next tactic or strategy. He's interested in where are we evolving as humans and where's consciousness taking us and how can we um, look to that as a guide for how we talk to people. So those are two people that have probably had a, a pretty big impact on me who are in more of the marketing make money space. Nice. Yeah, great. It's always good to know. Like, it's always interesting to see, you know, in terms of recommendations, whether it's books or people or events. And, and I, oh, and I love Dean. We just we just had Dean at one of your events, and he was right. great. Oh, Dean's he's awesome. Yeah, I, what I love about Dean is he just he just breaks it down. He's just like you know, it's like there's no convoluted languaging. It's just like you know, I got so much from when we spent a day with him. Just how he's very grounded, down to earth, very real, and I feel like he has helped me see things in a different way. You know, he does a lot with real estate marketing, and the first time I heard him speak about how he engaged with people who are wanting to build their real estate practice, um, I think that the best innovation actually comes from outside of your industry. So if you're in the health space, like don't look at what other people in the health space are doing. Look at what people in the make money space are doing or, you know, in the personal growth space are doing. And I think that's a really smart place to go. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and for, for if you guys are listening, you're like, who the hell is Dean? Uh, Dean Jackson is who we're talking about. He runs I Love Marketing, which is another podcast with Joe Polish. Um, just really, really just one of the smartest thinkers as it pertains to marketing. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, so I would uh, I would definitely agree with you on, uh, on those. Those are great recommendations. So if you were to look back and kind of knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently or would you do anything differently if you were to start from scratch again? I just wouldn't have stressed so much. <laughs> you know, I feel like I really, it was very challenging for me when like things would go wrong or systems would break because I felt like always like I'm doing something wrong or I could do this better. I was very hard on myself and um, just and I, I wouldn't say I'm not stressed out at all. I still stress out a lot. I think that's my nervous system likes that state of being. <laughs> 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 it's like it's sympathetic. Like, it's like so much adrenaline. Um, no, I think, I think, yeah, I. I, I feel, I would say, here's what I think. Um, about uh, three years into it, when we started getting really big, um, we started getting a lot of attention. And a lot of the people that I would have died to have pay attention to me, you know, four years back, were starting to pay attention to me. And I think I made some business decisions from a disempowered place. Like it was a little bit of like, I didn't uphold the integrity of uh, what we offer. And I said yes to things at times, really from, from a place of wanting people to like me as opposed to this is the best decision for our business. And I think that's just 
a part of my character that I had to really look at um, and to learn that business for me, it is very personal and it's okay to say no when I know it's not going to be in service to the business and to trust that if that person is someone that is going to be in my life, they're going to be okay with that. And they aren't always, you know, sometimes people are like, no, we're friends. I expect you to do X, Y, and Z for me. And I'm like, our friendship is actually not a reflection of how much I mail for you. And if you're holding that <laughs> as, as a belief, then we're probably not a great match. Um, but that was a very, that was actually a very hard hard process for me of really being like, oh my God, now all these people want to do business with us and they want to do joint ventures and they want to do partnerships and they want to create programs. And I went from desperately kind of wanting opportunities to having too many opportunities and had to really, after about like six months of, of making some poor decisions, sit back and go, what's actually best for our business? What's actually best for our brand? And we came up with kind of a list of, and I think you do this too, a list of what is a yes and what is a no based on our core values mm -hmm. so that when those opportunities come, we can easily make a decision because we have this philosophy as opposed to, you know, doing anything that just doesn't feel super good um, from a place of wanting someone to like us or wanting someone to do something from us. And I feel like we've really cleaned that up and we don't do that anymore. But there was definitely a period where I feel like I maybe got a little bit astray. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, I can definitely relate to, relate to that because there is there was a good two years where we kind of really got sucked into that. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to get out of that. Like you really have to, you really have to remove yourself and let the filtering system, whatever you're using, make the decision for you. Because as you mentioned, like, you know, we end up doing business with very close friends in a lot of, in a lot of cases and it's nothing personal. It's just, Hey, it's just not a fit for our audience. Yeah, and I think a lot of um, you know. So what are so you base a lot of your decisions based on core values as yeah. well as kind of what's going to be best for our audience type of thing. Like what what are some of the, like one of the kind of two or three criteria that you'd look at? I think sure. Just because I think it add a lot of value to people listening because if they're in that position or if they're eventually going to be in that position, it might be helpful to help like give them a set of you know basic criteria to consider before saying, yeah, I'm going to totally promote that. And then be like, shit, what did I just do? Sure. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, I think, you know, this is, it's so hard because so many of the people in our space are like good friends of mine yeah. and I don't like all of their brands. <laughs> I just, you know, I, and it's not even like, it's just like, that's not what we're about and not what we want to be about. So, you know, we are very clear that we want to change the paradigm around the way that people relate to food, body, and health. So we want to change the conversation. So selling or pushing a program that is an extreme weight loss or extreme diet program that makes, um, uh, you know, really short-term promises is just completely incongruent with who we are and what we're about. So, um, um, we're also uh, definitely diet agnostic for the most part. So what that means is eating psychology is applicable to anybody. You know, you could be paleo, you could be raw food vegan, um, and everything we teach is going to be applicable. So we wouldn't want us to take a stand for this is the way to eat. Any kind of program that is very strict or kind of religious in terms of its, you know, how it how it talks about that. Um, the other thing is, is we kind of stay out of the recipe and cooking space right now. So like we don't have anything about that on our site.
right? We don't have anything about that in any of our programs or offerings. When people come here and they're like, I want to learn how to do meal plans and I want to learn how to, you know, cook quinoa salad, we're not your home base. So to market something about that just feels really incongruent. And it's not even a make wrong. I, I was an executive chef for three years. I love cooking. I went to culinary school. It's just not what our brand's about. And if we did go in that direction, we would want to create a lot of stuff around it so it made more sense. Um, so those are kind of the, the three things. But the number one thing is really anything that is extreme diet ideology, pushing a very extreme type of program, making very extreme promises is completely incongruent with what we do. Um, we really want to change that conversation and we want to help people navigate their relationship with food from a different place. Um, so, so those would be the kind of three things based on our content that we wouldn't do. And then the other pieces is like, there's just certain businesses we don't align with. You know, I think, I don't know if you were there for this. I went to a lecture um, and it was done by the director of Yahoo Health. And she was talking about millennials and- Yes. Oh, yes. It was so good. And one of the things that she said that really stuck with me, which I think is happening more and more, is that people are not just looking at what you're doing. They're looking at who you associate with. And um, you think about that in terms of friends. Like I have, you know, it's like I, I there's, you know, I, I, I just didn't really apply it to marketing and I didn't really apply it to um, how people perceive that. And especially with social networks now and people can go to my Facebook page and they can see who my friends are, literally who I'm in photos with. And I want to be aligned anyways in my social life with people who I feel like are doing things with integrity. Um, I, I didn't necessarily frankly, and it sounds silly now, think about it as much in terms of marketing, in terms of like, is this person actually marketing in a way I like? So we've done before one time we sent, we, we mailed for somebody, um, for an offer that they had. And I felt great about the offer. What I didn't know was what they were going to do after they took those leads. And when I say leads, I mean the email. So we send someone to an offer that I felt really good about. I thought it was really high value. We always take a look at what we're mailing for. Um, and then afterwards, they hammered them. They emailed them like two times a day, tons of third-party offers. And I felt just sick to my stomach because I hadn't I hadn't thought, okay, what are these people going to do after I send them to this offer? And I think uh, you have to be really smart about that. You know, to your point, smart marketer, right? Like your show, you have to be smart about, okay, so once they take your people that you spent, you know, I, we've spent years building relationship with people. We have people who have been on our list for 10 years, you know, and if I send them to something and they trust me, I want to feel really good about what's going to happen after that. So it's really important who you associate with in terms of what they say, but also in terms of how they market. We we are not aggressive. You know, you're never going to get seven email from us in a day. So I don't want to send to somebody who's going to hammer those people and email them twice a day for two weeks to get them to buy something like a shake, you know, that we don't even really, you know, didn't even know was part of the offer kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think the, I think the big lesson here for the listeners, at least that I'm kind of getting here is the the allure to get stuff out quickly and to make money online kind of supersedes a lot of the deeper foundation stuff which you guys have spent time building, which is the core values, which is the messaging, which is what do we stand for, what do we stand against. And when you don't have that stuff in place, you basically just end up selling your soul. You're kind of prostituting your business in some degree. Um, and I think what you guys have done really well is is kind of the opposite of that. You said, okay, let's start off with, you know, this is what we represent and we're not going to associate with other stuff. And that's, you stick to your guns that way because otherwise you're just, you're just saying yes to everything and just, you yeah. know, and you're looking at, okay, is this going to make me money? Just send over the swipe emails, blah, blah, blah. And it's so much, it's, I mean, it's amazing how many conversations 
I've had about this and even just, you know, other interviews on the show where uh, there's so many people saying the same thing. And I think the people, the businesses that are going to stay around the longest are the ones that are building real relationships. It's not just about, Hey, here's the latest promo, go buy it. Or here's, you know, somebody else's stuff. Um, because it's just a lot of businesses are churn and burn and it's, you can't, you cannot sustain a business doing that. You really can't. You know, I, there is no business that has been long-term sustainable doing those those ways of marketing. And I think there is nothing that you have that's more valuable than your relationship and your word. Mm-hmm. I, it's just nothing. There's no shiny marketing or great branding that's more valuable. And then it doesn't even feel like it's selling sometimes. You know, you look at certain brands, like a brand like Apple, you know, people are... People are like, it's like not, I don't want to say it's a religion, but like Apple doesn't even have to sell the next product they put out because they've built this relationship with people, you know, in so many ways they're like, Hey, you have all, and, and people will have myself included. It's like, I have the iPhone, the iPad, the iPod. I mean, I have everything. I something, you know, when they come, I don't even need half the sh- stuff they have. So it's like, it's, it's that relationship and the word and the integrity and the congruency that I think will long surpass. And it depends on the game you want to play. And I mean that seriously, because I know some people they're like, I have no, they're in it to make money and retire. Um, that's not what we're about. So, if, I mean, I do think lifestyle is a value of ours. I want to be able to travel and see cool places and cool things. But my primary uh, objective in creating this business was not to be rich. Um, if it, it just wasn't. So if that is your primary objective is I want to make a lot of money really quickly and then get out, you're going to make different decisions versus us. I want to have a legacy business. I want people to go, that business changed my life. And then they're sending their friends there, not because I give them a referral commission, but because their experience was so profound and that that has a longevity to it. So that's really important to us really no judgment. Some people are just like, I don't want to do this for a very long time, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're clear about where you want to go, that's going to greatly inform the decisions you make. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's great. Awesome stuff. So you're obviously pretty savvy as it comes to, to marketing. What's, what is for you? I mean, obviously we're on the smarter marketer show. What does smarter marketing mean to you? Um, I think, so a couple of things come to mind just initially, which is everybody is marketed to every day, day in and day out. And so it's this interesting thing where we think of it as like this thing outside of us or this elusive skill set. Um, ultimately, I think smart marketing is talking to people in a way that you would want to be talked to. It like goes back to the old golden rule, um, you know, where it's like, how would you, because people all the time complain about, I hate this commercial. I hate that. Like we are constantly digesting information and having really profound insights about it. So I think being really cognizant of your thought process around that, because the the people who are going to be doing breakthrough things that are going to have to change the marketplace are the ones that are actually not going to just replicate. They're going to expand upon or change. So everybody within them, as far as I'm concerned, has a marketer. Because they know how they like to be talked to. They know how they like to be sold to. They know how they like to engage with content. So it's a little bit more challenging when your target market is completely different from who you are. But if they're in any way similar to who you are, um, smart marketing to me is just taking the information that you have learned about yourself and learned about the people around you and applying it to marketing. Um, There is a place where I think it's really valuable to learn tools and techniques and skills. I mean, I spend time, I spend a lot of money learning and being in rooms with people who I think are smarter than me, who are doing things that are cooler than me um, to learn skills and tricks. And what I mean by that is like even just little things 
things. Like I actually remember you, Yuri, saying this two and a half years ago when I met you in Florida and you were talking about using your thank you page um, to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And I just hadn't thought about it. I just thought use your thank you page to say thank you. Thanks to you, we've now made tens of thousands of dollars off our thank you page. Because I was like, oh, that's so smart. They've already opted in. They're there on your page. They know you know they have some level of interest. Why not talk to them on that page? You know, and so there's little things like that where I feel like that's from being around people who are doing cool things and paying attention to what they're doing. So um those two pieces. And marketing, I have a counseling background. I always say to people that marketing is just kind of using those counseling tools, but I have an immediate ROI. You know, when you're working with a client, it could take like two years for them to realize, you know, <laughs> they had an awareness. Now I'm like, oh, that worked because I just made a hundred thousand dollars. So, um, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun way to engage with people, but, um, those would be kind of the two things. Everybody's a marketer. I think, uh, not everybody's a great marketer, but everybody's a marketer in, in some capacity and to really pay attention to what you like and don't like. I keep a notebook of this, you know, I keep a notebook or uh, it's actually on my iPhone now, but it's like when I'm in the airport and I see something that's really great, that just grabs my attention. I'll take a picture of it and take a note. Yeah, you know, that. I'm, I have, I don't, I have turned that on in my brain, you know? So when I'm on a web page and I'm like, and I'm there for more than 30 seconds, I'm like, why am I still here? You know, to ask yourself those questions and be like, oh, it's because of the video or, oh, it's because of the beautiful branding or, oh, it's because they, all their buttons wiggle when you hover over it. Like to, to turn on that thought process and to keep detailed notes. Um, I have just so many notes from everywhere I go, every event I've been to, um, that I can kind of refer back to, especially when I get like not inspired, which happens, you know, there's times where I'm just like, ugh, like I can't think of anything original to say. And to have that to kind of resource back to, I have a folder in my email of some of the best newsletters I've seen. Um, I'm always collecting things that inspire me to kind of go back to when I don't feel inspired. It's good advice. It's very good advice. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so funny because, you know, earlier you, you talked about like learning from outside of your own industry and it's just like you could be walking down. I remember I was in, I think I was in Walmart. I don't even know why, but I was, I was in, I think Walmart. <gasps> Shocking. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and I remember <laughs> that there, there was a sign in there that said, it was like a special sale on like some food item and it was limited to, it said um, limited to seven per customer. And I was like, that's brilliant because sure. they're implying that you're going to get seven items or less or up to <laughs> seven. And I was like, that's just so smart. So anyways, like picking up on things like that, I think as entrepreneurs and marketers, again, turning on that, that, that channel in our brains to start looking at stuff like that, taking notes, as you said, whether it's in a notebook or on an iPhone or iPad, and just looking back on that because that's where the serious breakthroughs can occur. So I think that's, that's awesome advice. Um, just before we wrap up, what's for you, what's the number one skill entrepreneurs have to have for lasting success? Uh, whew. I think, so the three words came to mind. One was curiosity. The other one was uh, tenacity. And the other one was consistency. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things that is most challenging about being an entrepreneur is you have to stay self-motivated in a lot of ways. There's nobody outside of you. Um, providing that kind of support. Uh, and so it can feel very challenging at times in that regard. Uh, the number one thing that I would attribute any of my success to is consistency. Like in the face of nobody responding or something not working, I didn't stop and throw my hands in the air. I mean, maybe for that afternoon, but I got up the next day and was like, okay, we're going to keep going. I mean, there was years, um, 
like probably two years where I was like posting on social media and blogging and very little was happening. And if I had just been like, well, if nobody's going to like my post, I am over this. Um, I think that people will say now, you know, you guys just kept showing up. And then just like one day they finally engaged, you know, we, it's changed now. It's even more challenging for people to recognize your brand and connect with you or purchase from you because there's so much available. Sometimes it takes 11 times for people to see you before they'll even click the link, you know? And so that consistency um, of just moving through it, despite the fact that you're maybe not getting the results right away, I think is incredibly important as an entrepreneur. Curiosity because uh, shit goes wrong, man. <laughs> it's just like, and you got to be curious about why, you know, it's like, why did that go wrong? Or why did that not work? Um, when we have a launch that's really successful, I don't just go, great, that was successful. I go, what was different about this? What did we send emails at different times a day? Do we talk to people differently? Did we send them different videos? Like I really get curious about it and tenacity because um, you got to put your he- neck out there. It's like it's, sometimes it's just uh, very uh, humbling <laughs> to say, you know, just to be like, uh. so uh, I think uh, most entrepreneurs that I know that are successful are a little bit nuts and we all, <laughs> you know, are willing to kind of make mistakes in public. I've had some public flops and that's never fun, um, but to, to get curious, stay consistent and do it despite of that, I think is uh, the key to, to, to what I've seen to be success. And there you have it. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Emily Rosen from the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. Tremendous organization, great company, really coming from a great place. And again, if you want to follow them online, just type in Institute for the Psychology of Eating. You can find them on Instagram. And as I mentioned earlier, following Emily Rosen on Instagram pretty just really inspiring stuff like the stuff she puts out is, is pretty amazing so that's all for today if you've enjoyed this episode remember to subscribe to the podcast a health printer podcast on itunes and while you're there leave us a five-star rating or review if you've enjoyed it and in the meantime have an amazing friday have an amazing rest of your day and uh, i can't believe that next week is already december So we've got a great solo round on Monday. I'm going to be talking about marketing your brand. Is quantity more important than quality or what what, vice versa? We'll see. And then we've got a great interview with Phil Caravaggio from Precision Nutrition coming up next Friday. So don't go anywhere. Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single episode. And I hope you have an amazing day. Continue to be great, do great, and I'll see you on Monday. 